And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletics Football GM Podcast. And now, the Athletics Mike Sando and former NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Muir. Mike Sando here, Senior Writer from the Athletic, along with Randy Mueller, former Exec of the Year. And Randy, uh, the playoffs are about to to begin, but I'm just struck this time of year by how many other storylines there are that are really interesting about the offseason. I almost, I thought this covering the league, I almost enjoy covering the offseason as much as the season. You know what I mean? What, just curious for you, before we get into our topics, we got a lot of them with John Elway, uh, new role, lots of stuff going on. But for you, I'm just, I'm just curious, did you, you, were you just pining for the season or do you, do you what do you, what do you think? Well, I kind of like to stick to the football topics, but it seems like they've all hit us at once now. I mean, you've never seen these kind of openings in the GM seats around the league, so that's made it crazy. Obviously, the Eagles game last night shook everybody up for one reason or another. There's plenty of storylines, and it seems like the playoffs, I guess we'll get to that maybe Wednesday or Thursday. (laughs) Well, I've got them on our list. we got the playoff games here today. We'll talk about some of the GM openings, the head coach openings. Uh, We'll update you if if those change during the show. Uh, Certainly, the Eagles situation on Sunday night, uh, Bears revisiting. We have our thoughts on that. Um, I wrote a column on Monday uh, looking at quarterback movement for the for the coming off season, and there was really, to me, an interesting one with Tua in Miami, just with the Dolphins sort of oddly holding this top three pick. Uh, you normally wouldn't be a 10-plus win team with the top three right. pick, uh, right. so we'll get into that. We've got uh, uh, you know just some optics on some of these GM openings, too, and, and head coaching jobs. We will get into our picks. Ask the GM is a great one today. Stick around for that. Talking about the college draft with Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. So a jam-packed show for you today, Randy. Um, let's start with John Elway in Denver. I mean, that's always been a uh, a great place, certainly during the ownership of Pat Bowen. Right. You were with the Seahawks competing against them for years. I mean, it, some tough times lately, but that that's probably not a not a bad job, is it? Oh, no, I think it's outstanding. Of course, I had, like you said, 27 years in the AFC West. So I go, <laughs> go deep with those guys. And uh, speaking of John Elway, he's probably ruined as many Sundays for me as anybody has <laughs> over the years. So, uh, but I have a lot of respect for him. And I actually thought this move might have been coming a couple of years ago. You know, I think yeah. um, maybe it was the COVID uh, tiring of COVID this year that sent John over the edge. But like you mentioned, it's always nice to be able to promote yourself and kick yourself up upstairs. You know, that doesn't happen very often in this league. So he's going to make a choice, I guess, of maybe a couple guys, because I understand his right-hand man, uh, Matt Russell, is going to step away and retire as well. So there's a couple different uh, spots or chairs that may be available in Denver. But you're right. It's a it's a historic franchise. I mean, obviously back-to-back championships when he was there, they've won one since with uh, when Peyton Manning was there, a lot of great history there. And I think it's definitely a plum job. Now you may say the ownership situation has kind of put a little bit of cloud over it, but I'm telling you, I think John Elway has 
a reign in that city that has been tarnished a little bit. And I think he's going to be still hungry to make his role as an executive a positive one. So it'd be interesting to see what they do going forward the next week or two. Yeah. And I felt some, you know, some of these losses and, you know, when you're in the role long enough, it, it, it starts, the flame starts getting you too, you know? And so yeah. by doing this, he steps back a little bit and then he's going to pull someone else in there for the GM job and hopefully they'll work well together, but it also sort of insulates John a little bit yes, no uh, doubt. too, you know? I but mean, he's John Elway, you know, God yeah. bless him. Yeah. Hey, he he's should, I, That's why I say, I think he should have done it a couple of years ago to yeah. take the target off himself. Let somebody else take the heat and he can be yep. John Elway. Yeah, and I'm sure he wants to still be involved in picking the quarterback and the and the coach and all that. I th- I think they're going to bring in somebody who knows John Elway. That's not inside information. That's just me looking at it and thinking it's going to be a, a a fit. I think there's a couple guys there that right. uh, have worked there in the past, and we've seen Adam Peters' name come up. He's in San Francisco. We've seen Champ Kelly in Chicago. Those guys, Champ knows Vic Fangio. They were together in Chicago. So right. that's what I'm looking at. What what do you think they need? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that whoever it is, I would I would think that the learning curve will be short. You know, John and uh, Vic Fangio, they they don't have a long range plan per se. It's it's kind of win right now. I think the biggest thing they're going to have to decide is if this quarterback's good enough. And to be honest with you, I, I haven't seen enough to say I'm ready to line up behind him. You know, and they've taken a swing and missed it, as we've talked about on the podcast before. Four or five of these guys seems like the last six or eight years. So their track record of finding that trigger man has been shabby at best. So they're going to have to solve that one first. Um, they're going to have to come up with a, you know another offensive lineman or two to keep them upright. But they've got some work to do. They're they're clearly, in my opinion, the fourth best team in the division. Now that maybe. The Raiders uh, won a couple more games than them, and and we know the Raiders' problems, especially in the personnel department and on defense. But I think if people lined up this division, the the Broncos would probably be fourth right now. Yep, and you know since 2011, if you count that as the clock starting for John Elway, 45 and 12 when Peyton Manning started the games, and I think mm-hmm. we've got uh, 37 and 45, and the rest of them, and. and yeah. That's just the way it is in the NFL. Welcome to the NFL. Yeah, it's welcome to the real world. Find one. When you have one of those guys, I mean, you're going to go 45 and 12. <laughs> well, and like we said, the quarterbacks, they have swung and missed many times. And and frankly, if this were somebody else in another city, they probably already would have been replaced because you can't keep swinging and missing the first round picks and some of the things they've done. So they've got to get that right. Hopefully uh, they can be on the same page with Vic, you know, Vic's. Vic's uh, what? Vic's got to be sixty now himself, right? Or, or or a little older than that, even. He's been so, around. He's been yeah, around. he's been around. Uh, what do we'll you think see. about? So we're going to get into this a little bit about evaluation of quarterbacks because we are going to talk about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Uh, but you know, people, you know, I think just if you were just a general sports fan, you'd think that somebody like John Elway would have an advantage yeah. in evaluating the position. I mean, he, he played it. But we all know that Magic Johnson wasn't the best basketball coach, and you know, I mean, Larry Bird did great as a as an right. executive. But what do you have to have that to to evaluate that position that you don't automatically have by being good at playing the position? <laughs> I do think it helps to have played the position. Now, I don't think you have to have played it at the John Elway level, but yeah. you you it does help if you've played it because you can see it from their eyes. I do think it's a it is a hard position because there's so many variables. There are a ton of variables, and I think you have to start with your own criteria, but you got to start with the premise of can the guy make all the throws and can he process? And again, it's the processing that makes more quarterbacks fail. It's not that they can't make all the throws and physically they don't have the arm strength and things that are the basic to most evaluators, but it's the ability to process and how they 
the amount of information that these guys have on intake and outtake on every snap is really what separates the, the good from the great per se. And I think that's where people struggle. And the disconnect is when identifying the ones that turn out to be good at the NFL level. Yep. Let's, let's talk about some of these head coach firings. Now, I think uh, we had uh, just in the last, you know, day and a half here, we've seen Jacksonville get rid of Doug Marone, which we sort of knew was coming. Obviously, Adam yeah. Gase, we knew about over the weekend. Let's start with the Chargers with Anthony Lynn. You know, Anthony Lynn uh, was 31 and 30, uh, 33 and 31 as a head coach. He had a winning record. Uh, but it sort of the order of when you win or lose can have a lot to do with these things, right? I mean, it, right. it, it was good early. It wasn't as good now. They were horrific on special teams. You know, I think yep. that, that's one thing that we can talk about. But uh, there's two ways I kind of look at this. One is, is it fair to Anthony Lynn to get fired? And that's not really the question. <laughs> the question is, what's best for our organization? I think those are two right. different things. And right. when, when I try to evaluate these, I look at it like, if I'm the rest of the AFC West, am I hoping they keep Anthony Lynn or am I hoping they get rid of him? And I think... <laughs> That's a, that could be a little bit of a different answer than whether it's spared Anthony Lynn to be let go right now. What do you think? Right. I think it, it, the snapshot, the timing of the snapshot that you take matters, right? And if you take it of the last month, they've won four games and they've kind of been on a little bit of a roll. But there was a period of five or six weeks in the middle of the season where they not only stumbled, they looked foolish in the stumbling that they did. And my guess is that's when the decision was made on Anthony Lynn. It was during those games where they mismanaged the clock, where they mismanaged their special teams. I think one of the knocks on Anthony has always been that he's too loyal to his staff. He's too loyal to the people around him. He was slow to pull the trigger on on, on uh, the special teams being such a debacle. And then when he took it over himself, it got worse. So the optics didn't look good. They were bad. I don't think they had any choice. I think this was the time to do it. I don't think they wanted to do it because let's face it, the the, the same hierarchy there now is going to be hiring their third coach in eight years. That doesn't happen in the NFL. Nobody gets that kind of chance. But I think it's for the most part been been a, a consensus around the league that it's a talented team, that it's been an underachieving team, and it's one that easily could have won 10 or 11 games this year if the clock's had, clock hadn't been mismanaged. And just the administration part of being a head coach, I think really that's where Anthony struggled. And maybe that's some of his assistants that let him down. I don't know. But I think it was a hard it was going to be a hard pill to swallow in that in that they were going to go into a second year of a stadium and assuming crowd uh, is going to be involved yeah. next year, they're going to have people in the stands. They need to kind of rejuvenate the, the really the whole operation. For the most part, they've been irrelevant for a lot of years. We can always say the Chargers have been, you know, greatest uniforms and all that stuff, but really on the field, they've been irrelevant. So they've got to find a way to bring someone in to give a little juice to the franchise, to give people a reason to show up and come to the game. And I think most people had tuned out at the end of this year because of that middle five, six weeks, like I was talking about, where the snapshot was really negative. Yeah. So, you know, last offseason, people were saying, hey, they need to get Tom Brady or somebody who moves the needle in L.A., right? And, but right. actually, Justin Herbert's moving the needle a lot more as a player yes. than I than I any of us probably could have expected, right? No I mean, doubt. he, no he looks like a star. Right. Um, now, what do they need? Are you talking about then they need a, a coach with some name recognition or uh, does it matter? Could it be Brian Dayball and that would be fine? Or do they need to go out of their comfort zone because they really haven't had the big name coach for a while? You probably have to go, would it be North Turner? Or, you know, I mean, I don't know when they've, yeah. or, 
or Marty? Marty, you know? yeah, Marty, Marty, I guess. You know, yeah. what 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 do yeah. they need to to change up what they've got? Well, it hasn't been their part of their criteria in the past. That's for sure to to bring somebody in with some cachet, whether that's been a monetary reason or just yeah. that they didn't want to give up some control of the franchise. You know, obviously Dean's son John runs the franchise and and Tom Telesco is the GM and they call all the shots for the most part, along with Ed McGuire, the cap guy. So it's kind of a three-headed monster as they do it. They brought in coaches that kind of fit in with the agenda of the people in the building. And we've talked about this before. Is it time for them to bring in someone that that has a little bigger footprint on the whole operation and has say in personnel and has some, you know, track history and some, some uh, uh, baggage uh, that's positive. They've been neglected and, and really haven't been interested in doing that in the past. They've hired some personalities that have been easygoing and to fit in as part of the team, not a demonstrative guy. I think, you know, probably time now to, to bring in somebody who is, a little bigger than than the guys they've had in the past. And I'm talking about a from a personality standpoint. And I'm not talking about hiring a, let's say, Rex Ryan, but that kind of a personality. Somebody that has a little extra, like I say, cachet, you know, a Gruden or somebody like that that can 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 get people fired up and can question personnel moves. And and not to say that it draw uh, to build walls within the building, but they need somebody that's bigger than what they've had before, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, I, and, you know, the things that did in Anthony Lynn, uh, the game management, the yeah. uh, special teams coach, you need somebody who can fix those issues and, and have the right people in place. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing well, for, for coaches yeah. to, uh, you can't just hire any coach you want on your staff. You have to get no. who's available and have a feel for it and develop them and all that. It's a huge, um, it's a huge undertaking. So that'll be, that'll be good then to watch that hire in terms yeah. of the profile of the person they get more than even who it is. What is the profile? And if it fits into the old way, maybe it's more of the same unless that guy transcends out of it. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because I do think um, there's an opportunity here because the talent that's on that team, but they're going to have to, they as in the agenda of the current front office is going to have to give to get, and we'll see if that happens. All right, so we'll definitely keep our eye on that one with the Chargers. Very interesting with a good quarterback there. I want to get into Jacksonville too. You know, last week we were talking about Urban Meyer. Um, now the owner of the team, Shad Khan, has made some comments about possibly, you know, himself yeah, yeah, being yeah, involved yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Randy, <laughs> Randy, oh, man, no. your hackles are my up. attention. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. when a squirrel's <laughs> in the yard, my dog's uh, hackles get up, and you can see the line. I, I almost could see the hackles come up on there because this is supposed to be the best job, Randy. We got we got a thousand number one picks. We're going to get Trevor Lawrence, who's guaranteed to be great. Again, we'll talk about uh, Trevor Lawrence a little bit later. But um, you know, nice weather down there. Very patient with the GM. I mean, hey, they gave Dave Caldwell a long run. Gus Bradley fell asleep on the last GM. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. patience is so. Is this how do you interpret what we're hearing from Shad Khan? Are you running for the exits now? I mean, what's <laughs> what, what what do we got here? And we don't even know what's going to happen at GM. Is Trent Bulky still there? He is Trent, still there. Yeah, Trent is there as interim. There. So um, Trent has experience, but why would why did the hackles come up? Yeah, I, I hope this doesn't become a the latest version of the dumpster fire. You know, I heard the owner say something about the roster is under his control. And uh, he'll be the one that decides who comes and goes. And God bless him. That's great. But hopefully that's temporary because um, that would not be a 
great place to go as a GM <laughs> if you have no control over the best thing you do with your job. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a, of a struggle for me. Uh, everybody knows they have 80 million in cap space. Like you said, everybody knows they have 15 draft picks next <laughs> next year. But this is not fantasy football. We don't get to play it on paper. We still have to draft the correct guys and build the team in in the light that the head coach wants. And I, I've really heard a lot more out of the Urban Meyer camp or that the college coaches are are more to their liking. That's going to be a reach as well. I don't care what college coach you bring in there. You're going to have some uh, a learning curve. And so, you know, who knows if this franchise ends up in London, it's really going to be a, a lot more questions than answers. So I, I just don't have a good feel for it. Um, I don't have a, a warm and fuzzy feeling about Jacksonville being the best job. I've heard people say that, that, yeah, the, the number one pick, you can get Trevor Lawrence. But here's another thing. Let's say Urban Meyer does go there. You don't think he wants uh, Justin Fields? I mean, he already picked him once, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so I don't know how that's going to work out. There's just a lot of things that just don't add up for me with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and you know, maybe it's maybe there's one common denominator there over all these years of losing. You know, and I'm not saying that the guys who were there aren't responsible because obviously the coach and the GM, you know, sure. could af- can affect change. And they they had a bunch of top ten picks that didn't go well. But right. maybe there's more to the story. Story and ownership matters, you know. It really does matter, and and they haven't won for a long time. Tom Coughlin at one time, oh, I guess that, you, Tom's going back to previous owners, though. So maybe that one's not as good as it looks. I'm not willing to put it at the top just because of the cap and and what it looks yeah. like on paper. That's for sure. Because yeah. I think all these jobs start with ownership. I'll be honest with you. Whether you're the GM or the head coach, if you don't have owners that get it, that are demanding in the right way, that hold us all accountable, I think we all do better when we're held accountable, right? And so yeah. I think that's that it's makes us a, all better at our job. It's such a great point. And we were talking about the Chargers a minute ago, and I saw a lot of you know. Twitter sphere and media reaction was, oh, this is the prime job. Because yeah, you yeah. do look, you think the beach, you know, you, th- you oh, think yeah. Justin yeah, Herbert. It's a country club, yeah, yeah. You think the new stadium, but the owner's a big deal. Yeah. And they've yeah. had a lot of good people there from right. Philip Rivers. Marty Schottenheimer was 35 and 13 in his last three years there. Wasn't he 14 he and 2 the year he got 14 fired? 14 and 2 and got fired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, they, and have, they signed off on that. They've had a bunch of good coaches there. Who, you know, who have had decent records? Even Anthony Lynn was over five hundred. Yep. There's something missing. So right. what is it? Because those are all good coaches. You can go back to Bobby Ross. I mean, they're all good coaches. I think so, everything starts at the top, like you said. Yeah, so yep, absolutely. Down and, to the rest of us, and in Jacksonville too. Yeah. So let's start at the top in another organization because we're we're watching football on Sunday night, and I just have a sneaking suspicion that the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, Jeffrey Lurie, must have a direct line. He must be one of the guys on the headsets during the game because <laughs> it just didn't feel right when even when in a three-point game, suddenly the third-string quarterback goes in who no one's hardly heard of. I mean, he's been <laughs> there for a while, but he's not a viable part of the plan at quarterback. And they basically throw the game to move up three spots in the draft. I mean, that's what it looked like, right? Am I missing something? Yeah, no, I hear you. It's – it's um. I think I saw it coming during the week, though, when midweek last week they had all these healthy scratches and they put out a list of guys they were going to hold out. And you'd have thought they were holding back uh, healthy players to to play next week in the playoffs. Because I've heard this compared to the Steelers or the Chiefs. And to me, it's apples and oranges, not even the same deal. These guys were going nowhere. They're professionals that get paid to, to do a job. But I just thought that 
once they let out the list of all the healthy guys that weren't going to play, guess who also knows that? The players that are playing. The guys, that the Kelseys of the world, the, the guys, uh, Zach Ernst, the guys that want to play every week, they saw all these healthy players being held out. So guess what? They start to ask questions. What the heck? we doing here then we get into the game and it's fourth down and we got a chance to kick a field goal in the first half to tie the game and we go for it and call some crazy play that didn't make any sense at all but you passed on a chance to tie the game 10 to 10 at that point and then there was a couple other challenges that i thought a, a clear fumble that he could have challenged that he didn't challenge there was another disputable spot later in the second half that he didn't challenge and then he rolled out like you said tommy two gloves there in the fourth quarter to uh Play yeah. quarterback. I mean, come on, seriously? You you yeah. saw the look on the face of those players on the sidelines? I thought I re- could read lips a little bit. And Jalen Hurts, once he sat down over there after he'd yeah. been pulled out, you kind of read his lips to say, it's just not right. That's what I felt like he was saying. It's just not right. And everybody kind of had the same thing. So I think they're, they're messing with a, a little bit of culture in the wrong way. I think it's a, a and whether it, it was a decision that he really made on his own, the coach and the way he came out after the game and, and said he did told me that, and I hate to say this, but I don't, I didn't believe him at all because if he was playing to win that game, he probably should have been fired of all the things he did wrong. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so, so I think the bigger question is, you know, what is lasting impact from this? Cause, yeah. cause I think when you sit in a, when you sit in an owner's box, you think you're just thinking about, well, we move up three picks. That's what we want. Every water on the bridge, people will forget this game. But I, I wonder too, you know, if once you've crossed that bridge, you know, once you have yeah. demonstrated in a competitive environment as the coach that you're not trying to win at all times, yeah. right? Cause, yeah. cause even if the organization is like Miami was last year, they traded away players that they, they clearly had a long term view of things. Brian Flores kept the pedal down. And he was developing players. They're trying to get better. They're challenging everything. They're even this year with a rookie quarterback who they're trying to develop. They'll sit his ass down because Fitzpatrick gives us the best chance in two minutes. So I think those things are really important in the culture of your team, right? Isn't your culture always being established? The culture is always on on stage. That's for sure. You can choose to yeah. to push it in any direction you want. I could make a case that they were better off playing hurts and letting him try to orchestrate a comeback. That was the best thing for the organization to build some confidence with him and the other veterans that were out there. Uh, Peterson said there were certain players that were on the field. How can you question? I got one of my best players are all out there. Well, let them play. They're the ones that are questioning what what we're doing because they're risking life and limb every snap now. And they're, they're, they're looking sideways over at the coach saying, what are we doing? We don't really want to win this game. Yeah. 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 Just a tough, season and a tough night and a tough season in yeah. a weird stretch for this team where you wonder like nothing's come down there yet but it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was a mutual parting of ways yeah end of the week or something where i just get the feeling like there's a lot going on yeah. and and we could see a situation where you know the front office or ownership you know wants certain changes you saw last off season there was that whole thing where uh, Doug Peterson said, I'm keeping my coaches. And the next day he had to fire his coaches. Well, <laughs> right. th- that's unusual, yeah, you know? Right. So, right. you know, maybe he goes along with some things, but then doesn't go along with everything. Is there going to be a stare down here where at a certain point, Doug Peterson's like, Hey, look, I'm a Super Bowl winning coach. Doug Peterson might be able to get another job. I mean, maybe Doug Peterson goes to the chargers or whatever. Right. right I mean, right. maybe he's better off elsewhere. Maybe he, 
Maybe he should be like Carson Wentz now and putting it out there that that's a fractured relationship. Because the whole thing is. We said halfway through the season that his number one job was to fix Carson Wentz. And he couldn't do that. And we know Carson's probably not going anywhere. So what's to say? I mean, he he failed at that as well. I just felt like to move up three spots, we risked the whole culture of the organization. I just thought that for the good of the game – and for the good of the league, yeah. after, like you said, a league that went through not missing one game in COVID-19, which is a heroic effort, they didn't cancel one single game. And then to have it end like this on a game where a team cashed it in and, and the coach didn't even want to win, I thought that was insulting our intelligence after the game, the way he came out and kind of uh, nonchalantly described his point of view. So I felt bad for the league. I felt bad for everybody. It just was one of those things was once it was over, I felt like I should take a shower. I just didn't like the whole yeah. thing at all. Yep. This whole thing is broken. You know what this does, Randy? This guarantees that with the sixth pick, they're going to get a bust and whoever picks nine is going to have a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know, this is just thing. all. <laughs> yeah, they don't even have the top 10 stacked yet. So they don't even know who's going to be there. So to me, it made yeah. no sense at all. And like well, I said, for the, for the good of the game, you just don't do this kind of thing. I've heard a lot of talk, especially on social media today about they're going to do whatever's right to move up and get a higher draft pick. Baloney, okay? That's a bunch of crap. They don't even know who they're going to get. Like you said, they're apt to get a Pro Bowl or a Hall of Fame guy at nine as as easy as they are at six. So well, you could get anything. a – but they they may have – the only thing I will say is for getting a quarterback, maybe you feel like there's not any going to get out of the six. That's a possibility, but still, yeah, I'm not convinced. You know, the hackles are still I just up. felt bad for everybody. Yeah. It was just a bad scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get on to another uh, bit of fantasy football here Be, uh, with – the Tua topic with the Dolphins, another quarterback situation. And I say fantasy football because normally you draft a guy fifth overall, you know, he, he would have to be really a bad guy or do bad stuff for you to move on. Really, you'd give him three years probably, you know, in right. a typical scenario. And maybe that's what's going to happen in Miami. I just thought yeah. it was an interesting situation where, you know, I don't know, you probably feel a little worse about Tua than on draft day. You saw Herbert doing great and – yeah. I don't know. You got the third pick now. I mean, you've yeah. you've scouted Zach Wilson, right? I mean, you've yeah. evaluated him. You know, you know, you've done some initial work on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, if you could get, obviously, you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence at three, but I mean, would you be thinking? What would you be thinking if you're Chris Greer there in Miami right now? Yeah. Well, first off, I don't think they'll make a change. I don't think okay. two is going anywhere under any circumstances because they obviously felt better about Tua than. They did about Justin Herbert. So I don't think they're going to say, hey, we screwed up. We're going to move on to another guy. But having said that, there were a lot of people, and, and I'll just say myself, that had two a little lower last year in, in say, mid-round, mid-first round-ish. So if you stack that card with these quarterbacks this year, with Lawrence, with Zach, uh, Wilson, with uh, Justin Fields, I think two is going to fall below those guys in this draft as well. So now that they've had the third pick, it's almost made them a target in that, gosh, we can get another quarterback, you know, because everybody wants to evaluate these quarterbacks like in one snapshot, like one game. I mean, it was crazy how Justin Fields played super, he played great in the semifinal game the other day, but now everybody says, oh, he he's for the Jets. He's a great player. I do think what they're going to do is, and this gets back to answering your question, if I'm Chris Greer, I'm finding a way to strengthen my center and two guards because we're not going to give up any penetration in the pocket. We've got a smaller quarterback who we need to keep clean, much like New Orleans has done with Drew Brees. They've built their offensive line around a six-foot quarterback. Their guards, their centers, 
aren't as athletic as others, but they hold the point of attack and they don't get pushed in his lap. That's the kind of offensive front that Miami's going to have to build to keep Tua in the ballgame. And I think you'll see some of that adjusting by Chris Greer and Brian Flores to build the roster with some ways that help Tua. They're going to have to find some more speed on the perimeter. Everybody says he doesn't want to throw deep, doesn't want to throw deep. Well, they don't have anybody that can really run. They don't have anybody that can stretch the field per se either. So there's some things they can do to help this kid. I don't think he's going anywhere. I just get a little sour by the one game evaluations, or in this case, even with Tua, you know, eight games or whatever he's played, and we're ready to 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 call him. It, I yeah. don't think that's fair at all, and I, I think that's society now. We just got to have a little more patience. See, I agree that it's not fair, but isn't there a decision to be made if somebody coming out's way better? Let's just say Andrew Luck's available at number three. Do you say, no, nah, it's not really fair to Tua. I'm going to stick with it. how good does a guy have to be for you to for you to consider? And is there anyone in this draft outside of Trevor Lawrence early that could even be in that conversation? Well, I think, again, we saw this happen with Josh Rosen a couple of years ago, okay. but it took a change of coaches and it took a change of philosophy offensively to make that happen. We saw a guy get picked in, what, the top 10 and got yeah. jettisoned after one year. But I don't, I don't think Brian Flores is going anywhere and I don't think they're going to change their opinion. These are the same guys that evaluated him and put him at the top. So yeah, maybe they wish they would have had uh, Justin uh, uh, Herbert, uh, but it's not there. He's not available. So we're going to have to do the best with what we can. Picking another quarterback at three to me is a little risky because they've got a lot more needs. They're not a complete team yet. They've just got a lot of other things they got to come up with. And I think they'll find a way to build around him and not replace him. Yep. Even though these guys like Justin Fields or or Zach Wilson might be uh, rated a tad bit higher, I just don't think they're going to make the move to to change course right now. Yep. Yep, that would make sense, and you could keep building your team. And yep. uh, they've got a ton of draft capital, and they're actually in a pretty good spot. I mean, really, making that trade for the Larry the Larry Tunsil trade is pretty dang good because, uh, you know, the, yep. <laughs> to get a top three pick, they're going to get somebody pretty cheaply uh, who could be a real difference maker for their team and help their young quarterback develop and grow and maybe, you know, yep, compete with Buffalo in that division. So that's a good one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
You know, Randy, as we move along here, I, I mentioned at the top of the show about how uh, Week 17 is always weird, right? Because you've got some teams playing, some teams not. This week we had actual in-game tanking. I mean, I've never seen that. So, uh, But there's all these sort of competing agendas in Week 17, and, and I just think it's funny. It's like there's this huge news dump on Sunday where these things are coming out of left field. Hey, the Detroit Lions um, actually like – John Schneider, they'd like to have him or Kevin Colbert as the GM, right? Houston, you know, God, maybe they like Ozzie Newsom, and I'm like, what? Well, <laughs> you know, what's next? Uh, that somebody wants Patrick Mahomes for their quarterback? But uh, John, you know, John Schneider's name coming up. Some of these things caught my attention. I know they did yours too. I was actually reading kind of the anti-tampering policies of the NFL. Are these things even possible? Could John Schneider of the Seahawks, ten years with Pete Carroll, really end up being? the GM of the Lions. I just kind of want to, before we get into it, I, I want to get your sort of feel on this. Um, does that, is that stuff just par for the course in week 17 or what was your sort of optics on that? I think you called it and, and it's maybe it was in our earlier conversation, but you said it, everybody has an agenda, right? Some of the notes that come out of the end of a season are all agenda based, whether it's Carson Wentz wanting a trade or, <laughs> or, uh, you know, Pete Carroll gets a new contract and, and now John Snyder's on the hook for something similar and, and the Lions have expressed interest. You just don't know where these agendas are coming from, therefore where the information is out there. So you got to yeah. be careful. you got to consider the source. I think it is par for the course for the most part, but I think more mud gets thrown on the wall than sticks, that's for sure. Yeah, we're not going to – I mean, I would be shocked if John Snyder left the Seahawks to go to Detroit. Now, maybe, maybe his name being out there – you know, help spur contract negotiations or something, but that 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 type of thing doesn't usually happen, right? Where you where one yeah. GM leaves one team and goes to another. No, it doesn't happen at all, and the rules really p don't permit it. That's the thing. I think it did send everybody, including us, back to look at, like you said, the anti-tampering rules to make sure we had it covered. If you remember, a couple of years ago, Green Bay did make overtures to to talk to John Snyder, which you know is a Seattle GM, and and Seattle denied permission. And I think they could do the same with anybody right now because the way I understand it is, he reports to the owner. He's he's a high level. Uh, the definition of a high-level employee, so they can stop that unless he doesn't have a contract. And I think his contract goes for another year and a half. So a lot of this, I think, is just posturing on one side or the other. Hey, I do give Detroit credit if they were to be behind any of this is might as well shoot for the top, right? Why do we have to settle for guys that we're not sure about uh, are good at the job? Let's let's hire somebody that's been at the top and work our way down the list to hire our guy, not start at the bottom and work our way up. Okay, Randy, finally the playoffs are here. Amazingly, the league got through the season without missing games, even though I think there were a couple there where uh, there weren't any quarterbacks playing and whatever, tough. We had to get through it, and now these teams better be on their best protocols because you don't want to be, be that team that got to the playoffs and doesn't have your quarterback yeah. <laughs> for the It's going to be a lonely, yeah, a lonely playoff for all these guys still. They got to buckle down on, yeah. on COVID stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, Rogers, Aaron Rodgers was like, hey, guys – don't get COVID. That was his like on three for the for the bye <laughs> yeah. week. Enjoy it. So right. we do have good games. We we got six games. We got three and three. Three games a day, two day over two days. That's a heavy load now. That's a, that's yeah. a lot of football. I love it. Indianapolis at Buffalo. We've got Buffalo favored by six and a half, and they're hot. Yeah, I mean, they, they really look like a team that's going to steamroll people. But if you remember the playoffs last year. Josh Allen melted down. I don't think that's happening again. How do you see this one? Who do you want with the points? 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the Bills have gotten progressively better every week. Now, obviously, they could take a little stumble, but I just don't see it. I think I see different players uh, really develop at different speeds. And we've all been able to see Josh Allen, where he's come from and where he's at now, totally different from where he was last year. I just see this team confident on both sides of the ball. I just think their their weaknesses are few and far between. I don't think the Colts can go in there and and run the ball and beat them up. Uh, I think that the Bills are going to beat the Colts and, and the six points or whatever it is, six and a half, is probably not enough, to be honest with you. I, I see the Bills as, as uh, running away with this one. I'm kind of with you too. I think this is a party for them. It might be exacerbated more if they had crowd there, you know, in Buffalo yeah. and that whole yeah. thing. But um, I'm just looking at the games. You know, you look at the games that Indy lost this year: seven points to Jacksonville, uh, eleven points or nine points to Cleveland, fourteen points to Baltimore, nineteen points to Tennessee, and then four to Pittsburgh, which they were way ahead in. They almost really lost that game by double digits yeah. when you if you separated the two games. So. I'm with you. I think Buffalo's the better team. Yep. Rams are at Seattle. I don't know who's playing quarterback. Jared Goff could be playing quarterback. It sounds like the the Rams don't care. They seemed excited about uh, Wolford. Yeah. John Wolford. John Wolford, uh, yeah. Had some scrambles. They had designed runs. I mean, I think they sort of felt for one day a little liberated from the limitations of Goff. And they had a guy who could run around. Seattle favored by five. I don't feel great about Seattle where they're at offensively. But I think I'm going to go with them, and I'm going to give the points because I, I I just think that with that quarterback uncertainty, and Seattle sort of got over that hurdle. I think of them a little bit recently. Right. Am I crazy? Well, I don't know. They split the series, obviously one game each. Uh, this game is in Seattle. I think there's a little bit of sparkle, and we talked about it last week in McVeigh's eye when John Wolford played last week. I think he could design some things, a little bit of a mad chemist per se. I'm going to go with the Rams in this game. I'm going to take the points. I just think that they're going to have Cooper Cup back, and I just don't feel right about what Seattle's doing right now for whatever reason. I'm now Jamal you. Adams is hurt again, you know, and I think he's a difference maker on defense. He's got the bad shoulder. We don't know if he's going to play. I just haven't seen the same Russell Wilson that we've seen so many times the last few years and so I'm going to pick the Rams in a little bit of an upset uh, going into Seattle and beating them. I'm with you on that that I feel the same way and I'm just going to do a little bit of a contrary better on Russell Wilson say you know what it shows up here but do you think you twinkle in the eye do you think it's a long-term relationship with Goff and McVay right now or does does McVay have to sort of or does Goff have to kind of win it back next year? I don't think that what they've done with his contracts allows it to be anything but a solid marriage. I don't think they could get away from him if they want. They keep redoing his contract. Well, they right? could trade him and save a little cap. I don't want to get into that year. discussion, but yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't think, I, I yeah, think yeah. he's there. Are they yeah, thrilled okay. with it? No, but I think he's there and I don't see that changing. Right. Okay. I just think he's, that's a marriage for right now that's, I yeah. wouldn't say it's rocky. I just think they're, they're going to exist together. Yep. Yep. Tampa's at Washington. Tampa favored by seven and a half and the Bucks have been hot lately, but they've been playing bad defenses. And now right. you're going to play a pretty good defense, really a house money game for Washington. They got nothing. I just don't know if Washington can score enough. And yeah. I, I'm going I'm to give the points and say that say that Tampa Bay pulls away. How about you? Yeah, what are the points? What'd it's you say seven and a half. You have to give seven and a half. It's a lot. On the road. I, and, I'm, I'm with yeah. Tampa, though, too. I just Again, we all love the Alex Smith story, but from what I saw the last couple of weeks, I don't know that they can score. They just, I'm not sold on their offense. Set 
Alex Smith's physical skills to the side. I just don't see their offenses doing anything to scare anybody. And I think if, if it's a shootout at all, Tampa's going to be able to score. I think Tampa's found their rhythm now in keeping Tom Brady upright. Sure, they have a good pass rush. Chase Young's going to be an issue, but they'll find a way to double him and let the, let the chips fall. But I'm going to take Tampa and give the points. Yep. Yeah, I like Werfs. I like Ali Marpet. Yeah. I like even Jensen at center brings has a little vinegar to him. You know, he's always looking for someone to shove. So maybe they can go in there and, and continue to develop that Tampa identity and, and, and get that one. Baltimore at Tennessee is very interesting to me. Baltimore, you, if you want to bet on it, Baltimore's favored by four and a half. Tennessee beat them last month. November 22nd, they beat them, right? Tennessee beat them. Ten- yeah, yeah. Tennessee beat Buffalo 42-16 to 16 yeah, this year. Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee, to me, is a team that I don't like to – Give points, you know. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to bet against Tennessee. And Tennessee is a gamer team. Like they can make it close. And I still have enough questions about Baltimore pass offense in a playoff game. Am I crazy here? Am I crazy here to take Tennessee in the four and a half? No, I'm not. I'm with you 100. I think Tennessee is going to win the game. And I've said, really, I've done some radio stuff recently where I said Baltimore is a tough matchup. I just think they're a tough matchup for everybody but Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to find a way to to outscore them. Tennessee's defense isn't great shakes, obviously, but I think Tannehill's playing at a high level. They'll find a way to score enough points. They're going to grind it out. This game, I might bet the over and under is about two hours, 35 minutes for game time. That's how quickly I think it's going to run by with both these teams running the ball like they want to. But I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with Tennessee. So do we have to go a whole other offseason with people saying, yeah, Lamar Jackson's great, but they just can't win a playoff game and we have to write more stories? Is that what it's going to be? I mean, that's what you're see, saying? He's got to change the narrative himself. I mean, yeah, I know. I did a little deal, and, and you and I talked about it for my website the other day where I picked the yeah. top 10 quarterbacks under 33 years old. I didn't have Lamar in there, and he's like the reigning MVP, right? I didn't know you didn't have Lamar. So, yeah. MuellerFootball.com, obviously, I need to get updated on the URL <laughs> because I saw the headline. I did. We talked about this, so I thought yeah. I knew where you were at, but not even Lamar? No, sorry. I didn't have him in there. Just, I guess oh, it's just me. It's one wow. man's opinion. Wow. That's why, that's why Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors, buddy. That's Everybody can great. Pick their own. That's great. No, but you you haven't been down on Lamar. I mean, I've never no, said no, I down like him. Lamar at all. I just think there's some really good young quarterbacks, and – there's a couple so, in there that might surprise people. One is in college still. So, so how about this though? Can jo- can they do a Josh Allen and get him a Stephon Diggs and he can grow out of this? Can that Lamar happen Jackson? for Lamar? Can that happen for Lamar or no? I think upgraded perimeter players will definitely help, but I still think he's going to have to find a way. And and I don't know how smart it is to to box him in and make him a quarterback that has to succeed from the pocket because that's just not what he is. I think what you see is what you get. So maybe they can add a speed guy that can spread the field a little bit, but he's going to want to throw the tight end anyway. Mark Andrews is his guy. That's who he always wants to throw the ball to with inside the numbers, inside the hash for the most part. So I don't know if his game's going to change. Yeah. Okay. Good conversation for the off season too. We got Chicago at New Orleans. Saints are favored by nine. I thought and, we were done talking about the Bears. Are you serious? We got well, you and about I are, this again. You and I are both oh, gonna. We are both gonna take the Saints and give the <laughs> points all day. We will give ninety points because we are betting against this thing. Watch, we're gonna be talking about Chicago next week. How did oh, they win this gosh. game? They knocked out Breeze in the second quarter. Yeah. They, they've got them playing, and wow, Trubisky! I never saw that coming. So. The thing Sorry. that makes it interesting is the nine points, okay? Let's face it. I think the Saints are going to win the game, but nine points might be 12 by Friday. Who knows? Yeah. So you're you're with me then? 
you're with me. I'm with no you. I didn't way. mean to, to jump on you there, but yeah, I'm, I'm no, no, you're, no. I, I just had you don't even have commentary. How could you don't even have a comment on on the on the matchup? You're so done with the Bears. What if they're in the Super Bowl? You're like, ah, uh, yeah. no, I, I just, uh, I, I don't. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll just move on then. Our last game. <laughs> Cleveland is at Pittsburgh. Big Ben rested, you know, maybe uh, uh, some extra time there in the in the massage room, you know, and and uh, sure looked good in the second half of that indie game. Hasn't looked good a lot of the other time. I'm going with Pittsburgh, and I'm giving the points, but am I crazy? You are. You are. are you on the well, I shouldn't have told you that. Now you're going to wait for now. <laughs> so your reaction told me you were initially going to go with Cleveland. And oh, take no, the points. no, no, I didn't. I, that's not case at all. I think the, the 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 series is one and one. Obviously, they've each won a game. I think Pittsburgh has played one half of football in five weeks. I don't think they've been worth a darn since the first no, Ravens agree. game when COVID, you know, pushed them back two or three times. I just don't know that Pittsburgh can win the game. And I know the Browns weren't the sharpest last week, but Kevin Stefanski's smart. Something tells me he has held things back for this second matchup, knowing that they'd play again as well. I think these interdivision games are fascinating because the coaches have already sent messages. They've shot bullets over the bow to, to figure out who can practice against what the following week. There's been espionage on film now the last couple uh-huh. of weeks. So I'm picking the Browns. I think that's going to be the one upset that Cleveland is going to find a way to keep Baker Mayfield upright enough to where they beat the Steelers. And I just don't see the Steelers grabbing their mojo in the Space Jam. Uh, they lost their mojo, right? Yep. Like the players did. I don't think they're going to get it back this week. I just don't. So this is this is the Baker Mayfield offseason narrative game, okay? For yeah, for me. Yeah. And like, you know, if he implodes and it's this it's too big for him and the the Pittsburgh defense closes in and he just gets washed out to sea, we're going to have to hear about, you know, are they going to look at somebody else? But if he can get past this, kind of wish I had the faith you do in this cuz <laughs> cuz I'm with you on Stefanski. I think he's outstanding. I think they're the team that they're the team that's impressed me this year, even though the Steelers were 11 and 0. I think the Steelers are diminished, but I'm going to bet on Ben Roethlisberger after one week off in a big boy game. Don't forget, getting I'm getting some points here now, right? How many points four, are we getting? Four points. Oh, you got to check how that. many. You got to check how many points before you bet on the house. Come on, Vegas, that's crazy. Four <laughs> points. That should be six or eight. I wrote it in our little Come document on. here. We got a little shared doc. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I you know it. what? I got to read MuellerFootball.com. You got to read the. <laughs> you got to read the picks here. Yeah. Let's get Ask the GM because this is a good one. This is a good one here. It's time for Ask the GM. Big college football game the other night. Justin Fields looked good. Trevor Lawrence not so good. Not as good. Not that he looked horrible, but um, the whole narrative going into the game was Trevor Lawrence, generational talent, and then you have yep. to hear everybody, oh, generational talent, huh? Huh? Justin Fields. In yep. your mind, let's get into the evaluation process for players like this, and specifically to these two. You know, how how much do we weigh these things? A big game, uh, you know, versus uh, an entire body of work this season in particular. Where, where are you at? And then we'll get to where are you at on these two. Yeah, it's a big dilemma. I think for all evaluations this year, and I said before the season started, well, it doesn't really matter. We're going to have 2020 film to go on. But after seeing 2020 and seeing what it really was in college football, which I think was kind of a dumpster dive. I mean, I just don't think it was, you know, well played. I know they had to do what they had to do to get the games in, but I think the evaluations are going to have to reflect that a little bit. I use the example of Pac-12 quarterbacks that I studied before the season. I studied them off last year's tape, and then I see the way their season went this year, and I wouldn't give you 
two nickels for my evaluations off last year's tape because it didn't look like the same guy this year. So I think people are really going to struggle with their evaluations in, in 2020 because teams just are disjointed. They weren't playing well together, especially quarterbacks. It was a struggle for them. And I think these guys are a little bit of an indicator of that. Uh, Justin Fields played obviously great the other night. But if you go back and look at two or three games earlier in the season, you wouldn't want him. He played so bad. He made some bad decisions. Yeah. Same with last year. Now, he was a little more in rhythm last year, but it's far from a, a slam dunk as to what you're going to get there. You see signs and flashes of brilliance, but you see other things that make you question. So, you know, I think at least with Trevor Lawrence, you see a, a bigger body of work. Obviously, they played a ton of games in Clemson, and he's been in big games every year. So I think that the... the, the, the Sureness of the bet is easier to make on Trevor Lawrence. I think he's definitely, you know, going to be the first pick in the draft. But I think all of the evaluations that NFL people do this year, you have to take into account which films we saw and kind of the choppiness of teams' uh, practice schedule, of all the adjustments they made this year. You might be better off going with last year's tape. You're not going to find great development of skill sets and of players this year from what I've seen on tape. I think you're yep. going to have to depend on prior years. A few weeks ago, you were pretty high on what you saw from Zach Wilson. Has that changed at all? Just to no, I think he's been outstanding. I think for the most part, you're talking about a guy who is a polished passer, probably more so than these other two guys because he plays in a different system. Yeah, He's instinctively, um, with anticipation, uh, second and third level quarterback decision making, Zach Wilson's the best. But he doesn't have the physical skills these other guys have either. These guys are bigger, stronger guys who can make every throw. I think their upside is greater. Therefore, they're probably going to get picked higher. But I could see a guy like Justin or uh, uh, Zach Wilson being picked, you know, in the top five for sure because he's a pure passer and the ball comes out consistently all the time. He's more consistent than Fields, but Fields has more upside and flashes bigger potential. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a good. That's a good sort of check-in on those two guys and the process. We'll stick with that as we get closer to the draft, and who knows what the process is going to be, right, with the Combine. Combine scheduled for first week of March. Are we all going to really be an Indy together? We will have to see. We're taking it one week at a time here on the Football GM Podcast. Randy Mueller, thanks for joining me. Everybody, you can find Randy Mueller, MuellerFootball.com, on Twitter at RandyMueller underscore. I'm Mike Sando, senior writer for The Athletic at SandoNFL. Thanks for coming along, and we'll talk to you next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 